this. It's your boy Randy Chu, aka Mr. Chu on that. We back in the building. Oh my gosh, it's gonna be another bang. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's gonna be another another bang, another classic. Uh listen, today's show is gonna be highly controversial, highly crazy. Um so if you are the faint in heart, you might not want to listen to this part of uh the show. Because my show is not for sissies My show is not for punks Moving on from that How's everybody been? Um, of course everyone in, in, the, in the Chew on That world knows That I have um, My co-host with me I have Lady J always with me Good morning Of course holding Mr. Randy Chew down on his left hand side It's your girl Lady J <laughs> And of course you know I always got the men's advocate herself, Linda, aka DT, aka the men's advocate. How you doing over there? I'm well. I'm well. That's How you guys? Good, good. Hey, DT. I have I have a special guest Hi. that's going to come on to the show today, but I'm not going to introduce her yet. I'm gonna wait till I get into the topic to introduce her. But if y'all are watching, y'all see this young man to the left of me, to the to the Beyonce, the left to the left, yeah, the, to the Beyonce of me. His name is Damian Tucker. He sponsored today's show. Listen, I just want to say this. Oh, shout out to Red Bull. They always hold me down when they hold me down as 50. Um, listen, today's show is talking is the topic. Uh, we continued our series on collateral beauty, time, love, and today's show is about death. What is death? And I thought it would be excellent to bring someone on who... Uh, works on generational wealth building um i got my life insurance actually um through the company that he represents um my wife also works in that company that he represents um and i believe in the product so if i ever get killed by uh a police officer for pulling me over because i got a tail light off or something i'm my kids are good because it's real like that in america but anyway um damien how you doing, sir? Doing absolutely great, sir. Oh man, talk a little bit into the mic for me. Uh, there we go, there we go. All right, you okay. good? Okay, so Damien, you know we 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 oftentimes we we hear death, we hear about death, we see death, we experience it with loved ones passing, people we grew up with. Um, and by the way, those who are listening, this is the community empowerment segment of the show where I have to empower the community. Um, and I feel like one thing in my community, specifically as a black man that is missing, is generational wealth building. Um, if you look at the disparity in land ownership, the collective of African Americans only own less than 2% of land in America. Wow. And <laughs> um, with that being said, though, what is, what it, give us a, your definition of what generational wealth building actually is how can we establish it i mean where do we go at how do we do it okay well first of all, first of all you got to understand that there's a difference between generational wealth and inheritance um okay. inheritance is is something small uh maybe something like 20,000 50,000 100,000 250,000 dollars that you inherited uh from your parents uh generational wealth is, is much larger, is, is usually something that's accumulated uh, over generations. It's not something uh, that most people can accumulate uh, in one lifetime. Got so. you, got you. So, 
mommy and daddy leaving me a little inheritance isn't really the way to go. How do we build generational wealth? What is one of the tools that you've seen actually work? Right. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people are not going to hear it from me. Because, right. you know, my fans are not going to always listen to me. That's why I bring people on that's actually experts in that field. Gotcha. So what what are some tools we can use to actually I'm, get I'm, it going? I'm, I'm glad you asked because uh, one of the ways that I use to build uh, generational wealth is what I call life insurance or what I call income protection. But uh, Oh, that's hot. Income protection, that's hot. Go ahead. Right. And I, <laughs> I explain that to you because it's rather uh, complicated if you never heard of the term before. But... Uh, I'm not too versed in the Bible, but they tell you, you know, a good man leaves not his children not only an inheritance, but he leaves his children's children an inheritance. Yeah, yeah. So technically what's supposed to happen is we're supposed to build wealth, we're supposed to build an inheritance while a person is living. So you're supposed to be saving 10 20% of your income while you're living, uh, usually in the form of stocks, uh, mutual funds, even real estate. So that's a way to build uh, wealth without depending on the life insurance policy. Okay. Now, your company that you represent, y'all actually do this for people, correct? Absolutely. Okay. Say if someone listening right now or may watch this show right after we're finished, how do they get a hold of you for you to actually break it down so they can actually start building generational wealth? Because the issue that I'm I'm finding is our generation, me and your generation, we're, we we know this stuff now. And we're going to try to fulfill it. Well, me and you ain't trying. We actually doing. But how do we actually do it, help others to do it, but we have to teach our kids to continue that, what I call legacy. Right. Okay. Uh, well, I only, I only touched or spoke on one part of building generational wealth, and that's through the, the stocks, the mutual funds, and the real estate. Right. The, uh, the other way to build generational wealth instantly is through life insurance policy. So, in other words, you take somebody uh, who's worked all their life and haven't been able to save or accumulate anything. Right. Uh, one of the best things and easiest ways to do is just take out a life insurance policy that would allow you, let's say, 250000 or half a million dollars. That instantly allows you to be worth $500,000 even though you have absolutely nothing in the bank. And right, to, to right, me, right. I think that's profound because you're taking someone who who, who never heard anything, uh, never maybe even been to college, uh, never uh, got any wealth passed down from them. They're 40 years old and they say, listen, if I die, I want to leave my children something. Take out, take fifty dollars, take a hundred dollars, take out a half a million dollar term policy for thirty years, and instantly you're already worth a half a million dollars. Something happened to you, ten days from the day you took out the policy, you leave your children a uh, half a million dollars. To me, that's profound, especially in the black community. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. So, I got a policy. I step outside my yard. I accidentally get hit by the mailman when I'm going to to my mailbox. My family. I have four children. My family now, my children now are fatherless. And the income that I was bringing in the home is now protected through the life insurance. Because, well, I think that I'm more, I'm worth more than, my net worth is more than 500000 right. half a million. Okay. My net worth is like 1.5. So I want to leave 1.5. If something, something's going to happen to me, I want that 1.5 that I'm, projected to have and to bring in i want that to be left for my kids as if i never went anywhere you know what i'm saying right. 
and and that ties into the topic of today. Like, what is death? Like, we try to shy away from these. You know what happens in the black community? Is you about to go there? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going there. I'm sorry. I'm going there. You know what happens in the black community? What happens in the black community is grandma and them will pass away. They got a little bit of money. They leave it to they to their children and their grandchildren. But then all of a sudden. First of all, if you if this is your first time ever watching it, you on that show, we raw and uncut, so don't be in your feelings. Um, what happened is niggas begin to fight over money. Then niggas don't even have the money to even bury their their dead one in a in a proper in a respectful manner. Um, they can't afford casting, they can't afford the service, they can't afford this and that, so. They either get loans or they get money or they collect from their relatives, which puts all of them in debt. And instead of death being something that leaves something joyful behind it, with the pain of that loved one leaving, now you have the pain of debt. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's, I think what you and your company does is vital. Um, and it, and I'm gonna say this: it's not the fact of the company; it's the representative of the company. I believe in Damien. Um, I believe in who he is as a person, and 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 I, of course I believe in my wife. But everyone's gonna believe in the person they married to, unless they beefing. But I believe in Damon. I believe in what he, and I and I feel the passion when he talks about generational wealth building. Right. And it's not just about him getting money in his pocket, but it's about making sure families are straight. You know what I'm saying? Right. To me, that's important. That to me, that that what we talked about last week. That's love. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we talked the week before that about time. We never know when our time is right. over. You know what I'm saying? Right. Quote unquote. <laughs> so I, I I really believe in generational wealth building. I believe in the tool that you have. For those that are listening, how can they find you? How can they contact you? How can they get connected to you? How can they follow you? How can they ask questions? Give us all your information. Right. Well, uh, I do a lot of work on Facebook, um, reaching out. Uh, my name is Damian Tucker, D-A-M-I-A-N. Uh, Tucker, of course, T-U-C-K-E-R. You can find me on there. You can find me on the gram um, at sense, C-E-N-T-S underscore underscore. Um, but you, real quick before you, you, you leave me, uh, one of the other topics that you mentioned was uh, leaving somebody with a nice burial. Um, yeah, for yeah, me yeah. for me personally, uh, you I have close to $1.5 million on, on me as, as far as a life insurance plan. Okay. But uh, my wife and kids understand that I care nothing about uh, having a proper burial. They could bury me back uh, butt naked in the backyard if they, if they chose to <laughs> Okay. Uh, in the sheet. Uh, I, I, my gen- life insurance was never about burying somebody. Right, life right, insurance right. has always been about uh, protecting uh, the, the financial, the income potential the income earning potential of someone. So a lot of times... It's deep you said that because we've been taught that life insurance is burial protection. Right. And not income protection. Well, well, well years ago, uh, there was a time where they didn't even allow black folks to take out life insurance. You was only able wow. to take out burial insurance because white folks, for whatever reason, white supremacists, they never wanted us to, to gain financial wealth. Right, so right, they, right. right. So they only allowed us to take out 10000 And that's one of the biggest problems in the black community is that we all kind of look at life insurance as something small, like $10,000, $20,000. Right, right. But, of course, you know, uh, you lose a mom, a, a father, someone of that sort, uh, you you barely have enough money to, to, to put them away and maybe pay off a bill or two. So wow. we got, we, the first thing we got to do is adjust uh, 
the thought process behind what's life insurance so what's income protection so you take somebody who's uh in their 30s uh like yourself let's say you make fifty thousand dollars a year your income potential your earning income potential uh over a 30-year working career is 1.5 million dollars the way that i came to that number is you take fifty thousand multiplied times 10 Mm -hmm. so over the next 10 years you're scheduled to make uh half a million dollars Mm -hmm. over the next 20 years you're scheduled to make a million dollars and over the next 30 years you're scheduled to make 1.5 million if you prematurely pass away you die you get hit by a truck you're hit by the mailman uh what happens is your wife or you you and your wife basically just took 1.5 million dollars and dumped it completely down the drain Ouch. and you never wow you never recoup that you never get that back it yeah, could take yeah. two or three generations to make up the 1.5 million and what happens to your children is uh instead of living out in the Olderton area Prince George's County lower area you find yourself you, you find your wife finds herself uh one never finding another Randy yeah. two moving back into the inner city of Baltimore where uh she's working two and three jobs to provide for her family um, now the streets begin to raise your children, and the next wow. thing you know, uh, one of your children are dead, the other one is incarcerated, and that's the, the vicious cycle that's going on in Baltimore City right now as the death toll continues to climb. Wow. We're not just talking Drop about the mic. money protection. We're talking about saving your generation of children after you. Oh, my gosh. That's, listen, if you don't find this man on the gram or on Facebook, you are the problem with the community. I'm just going to throw that out there. You might as well just go. If you don't care about leaving an inheritance for your children, you might as well just go get a gun and shoot yourself no, now. Yeah, I said it. Shoot yourself. <sighs> Damien, I want you to stay I want you to stay for a little bit. Don't leave me yet. I'm going to uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into our current events with Lady J. I'm going to introduce the topic, introduce our special guest. DT is in the building. She's been quiet on us. We still love you. Come back after the break. We're going to see y'all. In 2.2, baby, it's Mr. Chu on that. Welcome to Lady Jane's Turn It In.
Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It's your boy Randy Chu, aka Mr. Chu on that. Thank you for tuning in to the Chew on that show. Listen, today's topic: What is death? Collateral beauty, baby. We are comp- continuing the three-part series on collateral beauty. We talked about time. We talked about love. Now today we're going to talk about death. What is death? And of course, you know, I have my illustrious uh, co-host with me. I have a special guest with me also, um, but before I bring her in, um, and b- before we get into the topic, we have some current events we want to talk about. But you know what? I want to save the current events, though, Lady J. Okay. I want to save it for later on because I, I want to dive into this topic. Our special guest today. Well, before I get to the special guest, let me introduce my co-host to the Beyonce. That means to the left of me is Lady J. What's up? <laughs> of course, you know I always have the men's advocate, Linda, aka DT, is in the building. Hello, hello. And I have a very, very, very special guest. I call her Doctor Professor Kim. Hello. How are you doing? Dr. Professor, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Real quick, can you introduce my audience to who you are, what you do, what you're about? Just briefly, just real quick. Yeah, I I live in Toronto and I own a coaching company called Frame of Mind Coaching. Views from the six. Yeah. (laughs) We... I work with the highly highly driven population and what we do is we look at how their thinking impacts their outcomes and the results and we help them really uh, examine how their own thinking is helping them move forward and a lot of times just holding them back and we help move their thinking to a place where they're just soaring. Mm. Wow, wow. Now, you're social media platforms I was watching a couple of your YouTube uh, clips by the way very powerful Um, can you just share your social media platform so people that want to follow you can find you yeah Facebook uh, it's Kim Addis A-D-E-S we're on Twitter LinkedIn just look for me Kim Addis and it's Frame of Mind Coaching nice and she also has the website it's frameofmindcoaching.com am I correct that's right. Yeah, There's yeah, lots yeah. of stuff on there. Ladies and gentlemen, today's topic, what is death? I have questions. Okay. DT. Yes, yes. Okay. I can't hear her, by the way. Okay. Let me allow you to hear her. Okay, DT. I'm here. Cool. Now, questions about death. What do all of y'all think death is? Is it a supernatural being? Is it a force? Is it something that we made up? I want to dive in that way. I'm 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 gonna take y'all on a trail that's gonna really mess up y'all. One of my patients. I'm, I'm not ready. You're not ready? I'm just like, you know, I'm not ready. Are you scared? <laughs> Don't be scared. If you scared, say you scared. I'm scared. I'm not oh ready. Oh, my gosh. Don't be scared. <laughs> Don't be scared. Okay. Let's, let, 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 let's define some words real quick. Um, 
Okay. Let's define some words real quick to set a to set a premise on 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 our discussion. Um, patient. You know, I was looking up the word patient, and it was very interesting how. Uh, what's his name? Webster. <laughs> uh, whoever that guy is. That's his name. That's his name. I don't. I don't know. Um, I would never name my child Webster. But anyway. Um, Webster said that <laughs> patience is the ability to... He's smart like a dictionary. Hey, he, he was smart. He must have been picked on in school. But, uh... <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the ability to remain calm and not become annoyed when waiting for a long time with dealing with problems or difficult people. But the full definition says it's bearing pains or trials calmly and without complaint so we have a basis of what patient means in the hospital the medical term patient means one who is suffering so in a sense we all are patients because we all are suffering those that are alive are dying make sense so is it safe to say that dying only implies to those who are living? Well, let's let's look at something that you just said. Uh, so we're alive and are, we're all suffering. Is that actually true? Do we need to be suffering? You said, do we need to be suffering? Yeah, do we do we need to categorize ourselves as suffering just because we're alive and waiting for death? Is, is do we need to be suffering? Like to me, suffering is optional. Wow, explain, go deeper. Well, where does suffering actually come from? Suffering comes from the idea that things should be different than they are. Wow. Wow. So that's when we feel this massive gap, right? That's when we feel the pain, you could say. When we're not happy with the way things are, when we believe they ought to be different, and that's what causes us to feel suffering. It's this lack of acceptance, this lack of allowing. That's what causes pain, that's what causes suffering. So does it have to be, or is that potentially optional? I don't think it's optional. And panel, please chime in. I mean, it's a discussion, not, um, yeah. Um, I don't think suffering is optional. I'm, I'm explaining my thoughts behind it. I think that as human beings, the choices that we make automatically put someone else in a suffering position. If we look at, let's look at relationships. If I chose not to ever work again, my family suffers they do not have the same quality and quantity of life that was provided through my income. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Possibly, but not necessarily. Explain. Well, there are lots of assumptions there, right? So if suddenly you stopped working, would they feel the hit? Sure. Could they recover? Sure. Right? So you're making an assumption that you deciding, let's say that's optional. Uh-huh that you deciding to stop working has a long-term and endless negative impact on them. No, I feel... I, I, what, I, what I'm saying is 
they're going to feel pain through my choice. Well, let's say something did happen to you. We talked about death a minute ago. You had your gentleman on who talked about getting hit by the postman. So let's imagine that did happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? so, so where does that pain come from? The, the pain comes from the belief that things need to be different, the belief that there's a loss, the belief that this is a terrible, horrible, awful tragedy, that something horrible just happened. But if we look at death and think that actually death isn't such a terrible thing. I agree. Mm -hmm. I death agree. is something where it's an opportunity for someone to come back to a really wonderful place. You know, then it doesn't feel so bad. You know, I, 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 actually, I actually see the direction you're taking it, and I'm glad you're taking it this way. Um, and Lady J knows that I am a mastermind at stirring conversations. I'm, I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> um, DT, you still with us? I'm still here. Okay, cool. Feel free to try. I agree, I agree with Kim. It's, it's a failure to look at the situation and to look at what is. And we get into this mode of how it should be or could be or would be rather than looking at what it is. Right. And I think that is the source of suffering. So you just make yourself crazy over some hypothetical thing. Wow. That you can't control anyway. That you can't control anyway. Right. Well, right. Once, once you look at what is, then you can take steps to change it if you don't like it. Wow. But if you're in denial with your head in the sand not seeing the situation for what it is, there's, there's no chance. There's no way to change it. Wow. <laughs> so, let me say this. Can, can I guess can I interject a little yeah, bit? Yeah, go ahead. Go okay, ahead. so this topic is so heavy. This topic is so like not something that's fun and light and you know positive, depending on your mindset and how you look at it. So for me, I haven't seen the movie Collateral Beauty yet, and I know the the premise of the movie. But can you say a little bit more about the movie? And then a little bit more in where you're going with this topic. Okay. To help me, my mind. Okay, so in the movie, um, Will Smith was approached by Death, and Death was explaining to him that she's not evil. Because um, it was an old white lady that came up to <laughs> Will Smith as Death. Um, yeah. So, um, but... I don't want to bring the movie into this conversation. Okay. What I want to do is set the premise of why do we fear death? Because let's, let, okay. let's just look at it from this perspective, right? In order to understand what death is, we have to extract from our conscience fear. Yeah. Because the fear of death really is attachment. We're attached to something that we're afraid of losing. So this is what right. Kim was talking about. Right. Well, well, but let's hold on a second. Let's okay. just, you know, why are we afraid to go into a networking event? Because we, we don't know how it's going to turn out because we're afraid of the unknown. So we don't know exactly what death is. So it feels like it's worse than what this is, right? So we don't actually know. It could be a fear of loss, but when you're dead, you don't feel lost. So it's not about 
that we fear our own death because we fear loss. We fear our own death because we fear the unknown. We fear the death of someone else because we fear losing them. Right. And I was about to say, so there is this whole, when, you, when you're experiencing grief, period, there's this whole change that's happening. Uh -huh. And so no one wants to get used to something different. You know, change is inevitable because we're ever changing, but when you are setting your ways, when you are comfortable and you have someone who is always here, you know, everything isn't permanent, but in our minds, we create that this person is always here. Right now, this moment, right now, you are real to me, Randy. Right, right. And when you're no longer here, it's no longer real to me that you're not here. So it's, it's definitely something that mentally you have to... It's kind of like being in a car accident. Almost. Okay. Uh huh. When you're in a car accident, you're shifted. Even though you're back, you're shifted back, forward, then back again. Right, right. And that's a jolting that happens in your mind that you're trying to really get around. This really just happened. Am I really going through this? Is did someone just hit me? <laughs> that's right. what you're going through when you're experiencing death. So someone approaching death and looking at that I can see why Kim is saying yeah the fear of the unknown gets in the way but imagine if we all knew that death was a beautiful thing I was imagine right. if we all knew oh my I guess that's the collateral yeah, beauty that's yes, where it's I was coming from to say, I, okay, took the okay, words I need to right see the movie mouth. I do need to but see the movie I didn't see the movie by the way <laughs> <laughs> death is actually beautiful Right. Imagine that it was like just this most peaceful, wonderful, incredibly uh, uplifting kind of place. Imagine if it was good. Would we be as scared? I believe that in order for there to be pain, there has to be something attached to something else. For example... If you pull a muscle in your back, you feel the pain in your back. The pain is not the problem. The pain is the indicator that something that's supposed to be is hindered. In our conscience, we think things that are are supposed to be. And because we may feel pain when things change, is that a weakness that we have based on attachment or based on our in, our our consciousness because and I, and I said that I said that to say this I went through I can go through a similar situation as anyone on this discussion right now and we all can go through it the same way or all different completely different ways it's all based on our intellect it's all based on the consciousness what we possess in the mind which dictates our emotions so, Kim, in your life coaching, what do you say to people that come to you that's so broken and so painful and they feel like life is over for them? What are some tools that you give them um, to help stir their consciousness? Well, the first thing we do is we help them understand the relationship between their thinking and their outcomes, or their thinking or their emotional state. Yes, right. yes. So your emotions are really a function of your thinking. They're not a function of what's happening. They're not a function of the circumstances. They're not a function of the events that happen out there or the behaviors of others. Your emotions are 100% a function of the way you think about what's happening, and that's in your control. You have the ability to change how you see what's happening in front of you. 
so 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 let me ask this, and I definitely want everyone to everyone to chime in on this one. So that means that everyone who's ever died had the ability to die happy. Sure. I mean, now when you got a gun pointed at your head, you can you gonna die happy with a gun pointed at you? Let's okay. I'm glad you said it. Let's look at the religious martyrs. Okay. Any had, religion, not just Christianity, any religion. Right, right. I'm thinking I'm going back into like Game of Thrones. I mean, you got <laughs> you got people who la la ba boom. <laughs> You know, and I got a bunch of Muslim friends, so it's no diss to Muslim. I have right. a, some of my closest friends are Muslim. You know what I'm saying? So, but I'm saying that to say it's all in the conscience, though. Like what Kim just said. DT, what do you feel about it? Like, like, do you feel that everyone can die happy? Well, two things. I think it is a conscious choice what you're thinking relates to what you're feeling. In other words, they've done many, many studies on twins. They've, they've been raised in the same household, same parents, they've experienced the same experiences, and one twin has a big problem, and the other twin is just fine. Right, right, so right. it's a matter of acceptance and how you interpret the situation. These two people have the same DNA, but yet they're interpreting it in a different way. Wow. So I think that's a very important lesson, a powerful lesson for all of us, that we ultimately have the final choice on how we feel. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> with, regard to, with regard to viewing death, you know, there have been a number of stories that have come forward, people were on the operating table or whatever, and they've completely flatlined, and for whatever blessed reason, they come back after a minute or two minutes or whatever it is. And supposedly they've seen the other side, they've seen what death looks like, and hey, it's not that bad, the white light and, you know, that kind of thing. So there have been many reports on that. So I think we need to do a reset that I think, I agree with him on this one as well, that death doesn't have to be this horrible, painful experience. Okay. So death is not a horrible, painful experience. So why <laughs> do we cry when someone dies? Because you loved. Ah. But that horrible pain, it's a horrible, painful experience for those who are left behind. So are you saying that the love that we have for that selected individual <clears throat> is the reason why we feel pain when they leave this physical yes. reality. Yes. Yes. So. Yes, funerals are not for the dead. Funerals are for the living. Correct. Um, I love that's why this. They're going to put you in the backyard. <laughs> they're going to put you in the <laughs> okay. Did you want to say <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, what if you knew for certain that your loved one was going somewhere uh, much better how would you feel then? Would it, would it be more selfish to look at, you look at, you're losing something, but yet they're gaining something. Like, what if you knew for absolute certain that they was getting ready to inherit $2 million, they was getting a house built with gold and things of that sort, would you still be saddened or upset, or you'd be more or less standing on tiptoe anticipation waiting for your turn? I think, and this is where my, uh, where I let um, the world into the debates that I had within myself and Kim since you're a life coach um, coach me 
Coach me, darling. <laughs> Fix my mind. <laughs> um, you, when I look at death, I, I, let, let's get personal. My older brother committed suicide when I was 13 years old. How old? When you, when you were 13 or when he was 13? No, when I was 13. And how old was he? He was 19. Okay. I still, till this day, feel pain from his choice. My pain is filled with two things. Love and anger. Love, in a sense of I'm a tech I loved him and I because you love someone you never want to lose that feeling of love from that individual right um, we talked about love last week and how you can love multiple people and multiple things and you know stuff like that so I felt that love but at the same time I'm angry because he chose to die but in my mind, I battle with the anger because death is something that we can't control. Mm -hmm. So what if he didn't kill himself, but the next day he went outside and got in, he drove and got in a car accident? You see what I'm saying? So if, so if death is something that we can't control, is death in turn a byproduct of time or is it the opposite of love? Well, let's look at those two emotions. You're talking about love and anger, right? And the love is the feeling of losing the feeling of love from your brother. Right? That's how you describe it. Again, it's that concept of loss as though that love is no longer there. But who says it's no longer there? Right, You're just right. not receiving it in the old traditional way of someone human, that human touch connection. But maybe it's still there and you're just not tuning into it. So wow. does, does his love still exist? I, I would say it probably does. I mean, I, wow. I've never died, so I don't know for sure, <laughs> but I would say to you... Right, right, I, right. I would say to you that there is a place where you can tune in in a non-traditional way, in a non-tactical, in a non-traditional uh, way, right? Where you can tune in and feel his love coming at you, perhaps not through his physical touch, but in other ways. Wow. So that's thing number one, you know, this idea of loss. Well, you haven't really lost anything. It's still really wow. there. And then the second part is I'm angry because he chose to die. So how does anger serve you? Does anger make you protect yourself? Does anger make you build your relationship more? Does anger allow you to feel the love you desperately want to feel from him? It doesn't. It blocks it off. Wow. So the, the anger that you feel is really a little bit misplaced because what he did is he made a decision, okay, to end his life, to end this journey. But if we agree that death is really a beautiful place, he made a decision to get to that beautiful place so that he can return to love. And if you're open to it, you would feel it. But the anger is blocking it. It's getting in your way. It's interfering with your ability to receive those loving signals from him from wherever he is. Wow. Deep. Go ahead, Kim. Two snaps on the coach. Oh, my God. Lady <laughs> J. Okay. Lady J. Yeah. Is a very emotional woman. Very. That's why this whole topic right now is yeah, yeah. A little sensitive. DT is strong willed and strong emotionally. 
I can cuss DT out and she'd be like, Okay, you finished? Okay, let's go get some food. That's my end result, lady, DT. That's all I get to. Lady J will cry and won't talk to me for a month and then we'll have to have a and whole sit down conversation. So so I said that I said that to say this. Do because you're an emotional woman, Lady J. Yeah. How do you assess my situation? Ooh. Okay. Well, I feel like I need a I need a I need a little bit more assessing your situation of in regards to what? To to how I felt about my brother. Kim broke it down from the coaching counseling perspective. Mm-hmm. I want you to give me that emotional feel. What am I feeling? Why am I feeling this? It, it, would you feel the same way if okay. your so, sister? Right. The, and then DT, I want you to chime in after uh, Lady J. So I guess what I'm gathering is there is this loss. Like you're you're filling this huge gap mm-hmm. that is now missing from your life. Correct. And this huge gap that you're missing brought so much to you and made you who you are. Um, and there was this interconnectedness that you had with this particular, with your, with your brother that you didn't have with anybody else. Definitely didn't. Yeah. And because of that, there is this sense of, um, protection. There is a protective love, Uh a protective love for yourself, Uh a protective love of the people that come around you. Because Uh now how I'm viewing everybody else, I can't allow you to get that close to me because I can't control death. Uh-huh. Because I can't control it, you're at some point going to get closer to me, and you're going to die. And if you, when you die, I don't want to feel the same pain that I felt when my brother died. Wow. Wow. So and really, what you're saying is that he fears being abandoned again. Yeah. Wow. There's a sense of being left behind. Almost like, why didn't you take me with you? DT. Through our interactions, have you felt that? Felt what? That I um. Uh, how did how did Lady J say? Through our inter- interaction today, you mean on this topic? No period. No period. Me and you period. Through all our interactions, have you felt like I um have a sense of not want to be abandoned again? Oh, definitely. Because it's a wound that has not yet healed. It doesn't mean that it can't heal. It just means that it has not yet healed. And with your concept of anger, by the way, anger is a perfectly normal state of being uh, towards someone who has passed away. Definitely. Um, You're in step two. There are five five stages Stages, to death. The first stage is denial, which I'm sure you went through couple of weeks or a few months or however long you went through with denial and now you're at step two which is anger when you finally resolve those feelings you've got three more steps to go so they they are bargaining depression and then finally the healing step which is acceptance so can you get from anger and move out of the anger stage to get to the other stages of course you might need a little help but, of course, just know that what you're feeling and sensing is absolutely normal. None of mm-hmm. us can skip 
and take a shortcut on any of these steps. We all go through these steps. This, these are our human emotions. Yeah. And then with regard to your brother, uh -huh. why did he commit suicide? I listened to, you know, they have those TV shows with the mediums. They talk to dead people and what have you. And there was a, a young man who had a similar story as yours. And I guess the medium was able to channel the person who had passed away. And there might be something in his emotional or physical makeup that you might not have been aware of that caused him so much pain that he decided that putting this to death, putting this body to death, was a better solution than enduring whatever his mind or body was going through. In the, in the guy that uh, was on the TV story, um, I guess he had seizures. And the seizures is sort of like, you know, the brain goes on electrical haywire. And, you know, it just fries you for like five minutes or whatever. And, you know, you're, you're going along <laughs> in your life, in your everyday life. And then meanwhile, this crazy seizure happens. And you disconnect oh and go to some other place. And it's a horror on your mind and it's a horror on your body. And with this person, he told his brother that the reason I decided to commit suicide is because I knew that I would find peace with my mind and body if I committed the suicide. Now, I'm not saying there was something extra going on with your brother, but he, for whatever reason, he might have come to the same decision that he just wanted to get to a place of peace, that whatever living life he was living, he wasn't there. Wow. Kim, so answer this for me, Kim. Death is a peaceful place, a beautiful place, and it's something that we shouldn't fear. Then why do we have foundations and preventions for suicide if it's only a shortcut or an avenue to get to a beautiful and painless place? Because we, because we believe it's a bad place. So, again, mm. the beliefs we have will determine the experiences we that have. Is so that is true. highly controversial, that is ladies so and gentlemen. True. And you're only going to get this controversial on the chew on that show. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Kim. I'm sorry. Right? So, so, so for me, the beliefs you have about any subject, whether it's death, your career, your family, relationships, etc., the beliefs you have will determine your level of happiness or peacefulness. And let's take it away from death for a very brief moment because uh -huh. relationships are really paramount to how we feel about pretty much everything but if we take let's say marriage or partnership or whatever when we believe that the other person needs to behave a certain way in order for us to be happy we hinge our happiness to their behavior but when we believe we're responsible for our own happiness the way a, another person behaves is irrelevant and so our beliefs will determine our level of satisfaction and peace whether we're talking about death relationships any subject so that's why the work that I do is related to looking at what a person thinks, what a person believes, and really examining whether their beliefs are lined up with their deepest desires and goals. And very often they are not. Wow. Uh, is there any desires and goals that you have that's not lined up with your personal beliefs? Of course. Let me give you an example. I have a belief that exercise is hard and painful. That's not really lined up with living a healthy life, is it? <laughs> <laughs> DT, I'm in love. Just wanted to let you know that. Um, <laughs> DT, did you hear me? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, I did. You got. She got the inside joke. Good. Um, 
<laughs> um, <laughs> Damien. Oh no, no! Before I go to Damien, because Kim has got about eight more minutes before she has to get off. Kim. Okay. In your mind, who is the closest person to you right now? My kids, my husband. If you lost them, God forbid, if you lost them, how would you as a life coach and a fixer of other people in turn fix yourself? You know, it's a funny thing because it's it's a subject I think about more often than I'd like to admit. Um, but Oh, I can uh, feel it. I can feel your yeah. vibe. That's why I asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, let's go with my husband for a minute. You know, my mother-in-law lost her husband a couple of years ago, and she's really, really suffering. She's having the worst time ever. She's just, um, you know, in a very dark place, and she's having a hard time coming out of it. And so witnessing her gives me a lot of contrast, gives me a lot of... Uh, opportunity to think about how I would deal with it in her situation. Would I feel the loss? Sure. Would I feel moments when, let's say, I'm in bed and I wish he were there? Sure. But I would also get myself together for the sake of the people around me, but for my own sake, and do things, whatever those things are, and engage. And my engagement would allow me to still feel connected to him. So what does engagement mean? It means go take a class, teach a class, it means travel a little bit, uh, socialize, but don't sit by myself. I would engage. When somebody dies, it's your signal to up the ante of your life. Mm. That's what it's the signal. And so very often when somebody dies, it's the signal to die right along with them, even though we're still alive. To me, the signal of someone's death means hey, I, I got I to gotta grab this while it's here. It's not going to be here forever. Let me really dive into life, whatever that means. Wow. Wow. So. Mm, I love that. Before I let you go, our last two shows was on time and love because it's all collateral beauty. Now, would you say that out of love, time, and death, which one is the strongest? Um, we would hope that love is the, t is the strongest. It's not often. Often our fears are the strongest. We would hope that love is the strongest. And when we can align with love, when we can tune into love, when we can allow that to be our guidepost and lead us, then nothing else really matters. Death isn't an issue, neither is time. Because we're spending our time in a state of love. So... If we can choose love, and it's it's a it's a conscious, and then hopefully once we make that conscious decision often enough, it starts to become an unconscious decision. That's the choice that allows us to lead an extraordinary life. Wow. DT. You know what feeling I love is is when time stands still for love. Have you ever wow. been with a a, a partner? And five minutes seems like an hour, mm -hmm. and an hour seems like five minutes. You just have zero concept of time. Wow, yeah. I mean, I just love that feeling. So, so, so DT just <laughs> right? said that, that, that there's the feeling of love that 
seems as though it pauses time where you can yeah. be with someone for five minutes and it feels like an hour. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. I think that a lot of people in this generation don't feel that because this generation is full of offsprings from ratchet club girls. Well, if you take it a little further with to that regard, we're growing up fast. Ratchet. Fast. Ratchet. Fast. Ratchet. <laughs> and so with us growing up fast, we're not able to capture these moments. Have the people in power designed our lives to seem that way? Have wow. they cultivated what we consider love, time, and death? You know what? Dang, I hate to drop the ball on that one. We're going to take a quick really? break. <laughs> Before we do that, it. though, Kim, I want you to tell everyone how to find you one more time. Yeah, frameofmindcoaching.com. And honestly, go there. On that website, there's a an assessment that allows you to take a, a snapshot of your frame of mind right now. It's an assessment that gives you the opportunity to have a coaching call with one of our coaches. And it's a really deep dive coaching call, the kind of coaching call that will give you these incredible personal insights just based on what you write in your assessment. So I encourage you to do that at frameofmindcoaching.com. Damien, you wanted to say something real quick? Uh, <clears throat> no, sir. I just wanted to say my name again, Damien Tucker. You can find me on Facebook, D-A-M-I-N, uh, Tucker, T-U-C-K-E-R. And you can find me on Instagram at, at sense underscore underscore sense. Again, like 50 cent, 10 cent, 20 cent. <laughs> <laughs> like dollar, cent, dollar, huh? dollar. Like dollar, dollar. Okay, <laughs> listen, Kim. I appreciate yep. you coming on to the show. Appreciate you chiming in with us. Um, hopefully, we can have you back on the show um, to talk about other topics. Because I love your mind frame and your consciousness about uh, and the way that you do your life coaching. Um, I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back. I'm going to discuss that question that I just had. And we are going to dive in even deeper mm. into this illustrious conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Chew on that show. If you want to call in and give your input, the number to dial is 563-999-3098. Again, that's 563-999-3098. We'll be back after this quick commercial break. Life is but a dream, you know, row, row your boat, your blood forms a stream. After you get hit, you should have thought about the shit. You took that paper, you take a life, or your life you took, bitch. Sometimes I sit and look at life from a different angle. Don't know if I'm God's child or I'm Satan's angel. I'm supposed to die tonight. Stick me for my paper and pray for my downfall. I understand it all, but me, 
I'm a little more flashy than niggas, so chances are I'ma have to blast me a nigga. I'm on that Kevlar vest shit, that Wild Wild West shit. This 811 carry stones in my necklace. I shine so hard, I make motherfuckers want kill me. Every project and everywhere I go, they feel me. Know it sounds like crap, but this shit is real, B. I don't talk that rich shit. But nigga, I'm filthy when I come out to play. And my mom big with me. You can bet your bottom dollar that revolver with me. Homeboy, front on me, short your lifespan. Hold the mic with my left, my knife in my right hand. Yeah! I'll do the hood, I keep hearing niggas saying. I'm supposed to die tonight. Niggas still put it out and they talking like this shit okay. I'm down to ride tonight. Rolling, whips stolen, big pink golden. I'm down to ride tonight. It's smoking, straight broken, locking, loading. Somebody gon' die tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back to chew on that show. Um, before I dive into this amazing topic of what is deaf, first I want to thank Kim for being on the show. She did an amazing job as a guest. I want to I'm gonna bring her back um, sometime in the future. But before I dive back into the topic, I want to get Lady J's current events oh. through real quick because it's the top of the hour. So, Lady J. Yes. Give us the current events, darling. Okay, well, you know I like quirky news and, you know, stuff that just seems like a little off the wall. Mm -hmm. So I was looking up for current events today, and I found something that was very interesting. You know, I'm thinking about you when we had, um, you had your Mickey Mouse shirt on <laughs> and Michael Jackson's, uh, <laughs> his um, Neverland Park, and you say you was going to be having liquor and everything for the back, the Neverland so, come to find out, there was this woman who went and robbed this liquor store. Okay. She went and robbed the liquor store and got Gatorade and some vodka, right? Held the, the cashier up at knife point and then went around the corner and fell asleep. Wait, 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 wait. Whoa. Ho, she ho, ho. was found laying in a hallway. Sleep. Sleep with Gatorade, vodka, and a knife. So she robbed the liquor store. Robbed the liquor store for Gatorade. For Gatorade. Vodka with a knife. Just one bottle of vodka? Mm-hmm. With a knife. So <laughs> she actually um, was taken to jail. They had 
she was on bond and she's 40 years old mind you uh gave her bond of three thousand dollars and she pled not guilty <laughs> is this a black or white lady um it doesn't say if she's black or white but it does say she's 40 years old miss holden her name is miss holden miss holding yeah miss melissa like holden yeah melissa holding oh well, i don't know <laughs> It could Melissa be kind of threw a Melissa kind of, right. <laughs> hey, hey, Damien, Melissa kind of threw a loop in there, didn't it? Her attorney was like, Wait. she doesn't remember anything that happened. So if you're going to go to a liquor store, let me give y'all some pointers on how to commit crime. How to rob, really. How to rob a nigga at the store. First of all, ain't no liquor store that I know of that's going to let you come in there and rob him with a knife. <laughs> right. You don't get that wig. Push back. <laughs> um, secondly, why would you take Gatorade? But then just don't it's go not to even sleep. A good mix or a I know it's not even. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, get the orange juice or something. You know? juice, right, right. <laughs> like Gatorade. You need the Gatorade for the morning time. The right, morning. right. Them electrolytes right. to get the Yeah. <laughs> she must. She had to be either very depressed, white, or obese. Yeah, doesn't say. So she just has no recollection of anything that happened. She don't she recall anything that, that happened. Yeah, she don't remember nothing. Oh man. And so she's she pleading just, not guilty. And she's pleading not guilty. Not guilty. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is why a lot of people need to die. <laughs> Wait, shoot yourself, that's like <laughs> I need you to go to www.shootyourself.com <laughs> I need you to copy the link and and hashtag die slow. Yeah. <laughs> Who robs a liquor store for Gatorade and, and a bottle vodka. of vodka? And go to sleep. Yo, just borrow $20. Right. <laughs> and you good. <laughs> now your life is thrown away and the state is making money off. Yeah. Well, I just figured you could have this back in your Neverland. You know, some Gatorade. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> if you rob my new... I'm buying a Neverland <laughs> amusement park. <sighs> and I'm going to turn into a, a alcoholic amusement park. park right. <laughs> Where you drink and ride. And if you steal from my part, you end up missing. Oh, man. Yes. We're going to send you to a beautiful place. How about that? Oh, how about yeah, that? How about oh, okay. that? Yeah, we're going to send you to a beautiful place. Well, speaking of beauty, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but Vanna White, she is um, no longer going to be on the Wheel of Fortune. What? Right. America's beauty, right? She's not going to be on... Um, Will of Fortune any longer, but what came out is there's a scandal behind her not being on there. So basically, you know, Vanna gets as she gets older. Who slong did she lick? <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> Go ahead and say it. Who slong did she lick? I can't deal with you right now. But she has a skincare line, right? That she's promoting and doing all of this. You know, she's trying to get her 1.5 million in the bank inheritance. So what happened was the producers got mad and was like, "You're producing, you know, you're um, promoting the skincare line, but you're not really promoting the show. So we have to let you go." She was asked to actually leave. The show. Oh, so she went from that. Don't just happen. This like is like that. the Bob Bark Bob Bob Parker of the Price is Right. This is now Vanna White is leaving Will of Fortune. Like you can't have. What happened was Vanna was my girl. So you, I'm mad that they just asking her to leave because she wanted to get some money on the side. I'm gonna tell you how this. How Almost this like Martha when they have. I'm gonna tell you how the game of Hollywood happened. This is how it happens in TV show and show business. Yeah. 
a lot of times these girls get on there because they look good and they got to do a little extra to get the position they want mm. once they get the position they want and they start to grow and realize that they can make their own money and they no longer have to bend their knees to do certain things <laughs> and they stop bending their knees these producers and stuff get upset Mm-hmm. And now we're going to find anything wrong And you're going to have to dip Well I'm sure ratings are down Because you know I was telling um, my husband The other day I felt like I was real smart um, Last week when I was watching Jeopardy They had a hip hop section <laughs> On Jeopardy On Jeopardy? Yeah and I think I won like $5,000 <laughs> And then the people that was on there Were struggling to answer the questions I was like okay so maybe they're trying to be A little bit more um, practical Hold on, hold on. Damien shook his head like he watched Like he watched Jeopardy? You watched Jeopardy? Um, I I watched it. I always end up making a uh, (laughs) statement instead of asking a question. (laughs) Like Like what? what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we put you on the spot. Well, I I never... Don't you... In order to answer the question, you have to ask What is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So I always get that wrong. (laughs) So you always say... So what you think about Homegirl? She fine. You think my my (laughs) assessment was right? Right. It was? Yeah. yeah I okay. See, I see you're right. Okay. Okay. They had, um, Jeopardy had one of the questions. It was like, um, uh, what is, or who was the band that sung, and I'll make love to you <laughs> like you want me and to. I'll make and love I was like, to what is Boyzman? And the lady was like, what is, uh, Drew Hill? Uh, ma'am, no, it's not Drew Hill. It's Boyzman. Can was you this, answer the question? Who was the lady that commented? I don't know. What she looked like? She, well, she didn't look like us. So she wasn't black. She wasn't black. Oh, you gotta give her a pass. You man. gotta give her no. That is like Boys to Men is known for that song. Listen, that's for us. <laughs> you understand? They had uh sync. <laughs> DT get him. <laughs> they had in sync. All right. You know what I mean? So they had their boy band. Yeah, they had uh, Britney Spears. <laughs> I like the boy bands. And now they got Miley Cyrus. Now she just off the chain. Who just fingering okay. other women. Wait, and... wait, come back, come back. Okay, so before I finish, oh, okay. my last current event was, this is okay. just, I guess this is a personal one because I don't know if you guys watch um, Underground with on WGN or WGN America. Nah. You don't watch the show Underground? I think okay. you're the only one, that I'm the only one that's watching the show. Okay, it's about, you know, the slave period, the slave time and mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I wanted to get into that. Yeah, it's really good cuz they like they go to war. But Wait, where can you watch it at? On WGN America. Oh, okay, you I can't don't know watch the it on Netflix or... It's not maybe season 1 might be on Netflix, I'm not sure, or Hulu. Okay. But guess who's on the show? Who? Bukeem Woodbine. Oh my god Okay y'all don't remember From Jason's lyric The brother That was like Overly obsessed That was, was a drunk. pipe To Jada Pinkett The other one The oh. dark skin one With the bald head Bukim He's like one of the best Actors that goes Underrated At all times Clearly cause y'all Don't know him But Bukim yeah, Woodbine Is on the show I'm extra hyped That Bukim He's a wonderful actor But he gets overlooked You know a what lot. I'm tired of Lady J what? Why do you always gotta portray us as slaves or our escape from or our voyage from show us when we was ruling the world. And stop showing us what y'all did to us and how we allegedly 
got transitioned from being under slave masters on plantation to the slaves of the state. That's bad. I think that, you know, what happened when they were doing, like, the whole African-American uh, museum and all of this and the whole, all this stuff that was happening with the um, the guys that were getting killed by the police officers. So there was a time period where they felt like we needed some uplifting. So, well, well, they did do movies on uh, Egypt and things of that sort. It's just, uh, unfortunately, they use white folks when they do those movies. Yeah, that's my point. They, my they point. put some makeup on them and kind of, yeah, like, like them. you know, what really bothers me, and I'm glad we had this current event segment. Cause y'all was trying to get all like like I need counseling or something when it comes to that. <laughs> y'all gonna stop to tag teaming me on my you own wanted show. You to coach it. You know the first show we uh, look, Damien. I bring the, I, when I bring the show back this time around, right? The first show we talked about step parents and stepchildren and all that stuff, <laughs> and I was saying how I can't raise another nigg's child, and they was telling I was a hypocrite because I was raised by another nigg. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so they just always beating me up. You know what I mean? But um. Okay, the Moors, the continent that we call Africa, the Moors had established 900 years of peace. Mm. Let, let, let that show in the history books, where there was no crime and there was no poverty on a whole continent. Wow. Almost like Dubai is right wow. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like yeah, Dubai. Yeah, except for we had more money back then than Dubai does now. Wow. Yeah. And Africanus, when he was uh who I call a Viking, was walking through and learning civilization and learning structure and organization and all and how to bathe, how to create fragrances and soaps and all that, he literally said that he felt as though he was amongst the gods in paradise. Mm. Show that on TV. What's his name? You know, my Africanus. intellectual mind is like who? Yeah, Africanus. Africanus. It's the white conqueror of what we call Africa. The reason why we call it Africa is because he conquered it and renamed it. Just mm. like we call America America because uh, Amer uh, uh, Amerigo Retribution. I think that's how you say it. Something close to that was the one who conquered. Why well, a dog breed came up when I look up? <laughs> Africanist. See, this is why you can't trust. <laughs> Listen, Google. These, these you can't iPhones, trust. <laughs> they not that smart. These iPhones, right? I asked Siri what the CIA was, and she broke it down. I said, "Do you work for the CIA?" She shut right up. <laughs> I'm dead serious. <laughs> what? I'm dead serious. No. I said, Siri, what is the CIA? <laughs> the Central Intelligence Agency was founded in blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> Okay, Siri, do you work for the CIA? <laughs> Siri, come back. Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> the pimp, yo. I was like, dang. <laughs> Siri spying on us, B. You know what I'm saying? But no, nah, all jokes aside, though, on the real, show us, or, or better yet, show us doing some good stuff here in America. Yeah. We haven't been all just fighting for civil rights or all been prison and the hood life like show some stuff that you know what I'm saying like some positive things we're doing like show the mentors in, 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 in colleges and, and the mentors in the community make that video go viral that dude walking up to the young man fighting 
and saying, yo, y'all need to chill. I look, that's supposed to be your man's, and then they laughing at you. Like, I wish somebody would have did that on the block for me. Because mm-hmm. I was the dude that would just hit you. Wow. I ain't have too much talking. Mm-hmm. I just was, oh, man. I'm and, I, and the fact that I viewed another black man as my enemy is one of the reasons why I fight so hard for black America now is because I used to be conditioned. You see what I'm saying? I used to yeah. be conditioned to view a brother walking down the street in a hoodie like, yo, who is this? What block is he from? Is he is he coming in peace? Is he, co-? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, go ahead. Um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned some of that because uh, what, I, what I had a, a thought process of, of this morning was uh, how wealthy the whole world becomes off exploiting black folks in the black wow. community. Wow. And, um, yeah. Uh, as we thought. was talking about positive thoughts and ideas and images, uh, it made me think of hip hop and rap music and what it's turned into today. Um, right. And one of the things that I was I was reading this morning uh, is uh, I think Future has a, a song called Percocets and Mollies. And it, it's, to me, it's really disturbing how they've turned hip hop music uh, mm. in, into... Uh, I remember years ago when I was little, I would try to rap and write, write some songs down, and I couldn't rap, and I couldn't match the flows of Jay-Z, Biggie, and Nas, but if I was rapping today, or I was using the lyrics that I came up with at 10 years old, I would actually be a pretty good rapper today, because the stuff they talk about today is just, you know, complete nonsense, and and I think it's, 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 it's crazy how some a rapper like Future... Um, could rap about perks and mollies, uh, perks and mollies, and openly admit that he don't even use, use these type it. of drugs. Mm-hmm. Right, so right. What's what's going on in our community where we glorify this stuff, and you really got kids rapping and singing this stuff, and you know if you you say it so many times, often over and over again, it gets embedded into the brain where you actually think that it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, two chains went to college, got a couple degrees, and you know what he said? He said I could rap positive, good stuff for the community he said but I don't get paid for that so I deliberately make illiterate club stripper music right. he said that right. <sighs> well, which, which is again like a-, a product that exploits the black community exactly yeah. uh, whether it's fried chicken uh, <clears throat> right right whether it's it's uh wrong whole life insurance policies where people design policies particularly or specifically for uh, urban, poor urban communities and things of that sort. So uh, I heard someone say, if you want to get wealthy, find a way to exploit black people uh, in mm. the inner cities of uh, all across the United States and you'll become stone cold wealthy. Wow. You know, I'm glad you said that because I feel like some of the conscience leaders do that. Correct. Mm. And I'm more so angry at them than I am at the white folks because they know what they're doing. Absolutely. And, and not saying that white people don't. And when I say white people, I'm talking about the evil, racist people in power, not the everyday white person that don't even understand what the heck we talking about. Right. Because they've been protected from reality on, on in our sense. Right. Uh, I'm talking about the evil, wicked demon breathing ones mm-hmm. that um and I feel like if a brother can stand up here this is why I don't like a lot of pastors I don't like a lot of churches is because it's like I'm going to manipulate my people to get this money 
You know, but anyway, I'm, I, you know, it's the chew on that show, baby. We talk about any and everything on here. We we dive into it. You know what I'm saying? Well, would you say something? I want to ask a question, Damien, real quick, before um, I have a current event, Lady J. I want to talk about before I do, before I do that. You said that people design life policies for urban communities. Right. Would dive into that. What you mean? What I mean by being marketed in in lower income communities, like okay. Uh, in my opinion, whole life insurance, like uh, they have a small feature in them where that says that you can guarantee uh, a, a rate of return of two or three percent. Well, if inflation's averaging four percent, three percent, how can you? Why would you guarantee me, or why would I think that is is feasible to to be trapped into a policy that only pays out at two or three percent? I can't even wow. keep pace with inflation. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, th- th- that's number one. Um, I lost. I just lost my point, but that that's 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 pretty much <laughs> right. The, the just of it. the just of it. Okay. Oh, and then here's the to that end. Um, with a whole life insurance policy, they tell you that you can borrow from it. Um, well, a whole life policy is supposed to be uh, supposed to be an investment um, and pure protection. Well, if it's my investment and I'm saving my money into this this policy every month. How is it that I got to borrow my own money? Like, that doesn't even make sense. But, again, that's something that's targeted <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. mainly to the black community, the yeah. lower class, lower middle class, the working class, uh, people where, again, that doesn't even make any sense that I'm I'm putting my money into this vehicle. Um, I'm earning 2 or 3% on it. But to get the money out, one, I have to borrow it. Um, and, two, I have to borrow it at 4 or 8%. Uh, I have to pay it back at that percentage. Mm. Wow. And <laughs> here's another thing, uh with the with the investment tied to it, like once you get old enough and you end you end you end up dying, um, let's say you got a fifty thousand dollar whole life policy and you got another fifty thousand dollars um what I call cash value in, involved in if I die, uh my loved ones who who my surviving people they only receive one or the other, so you don't get the fifty thousand dollar death benefit and the fifty thousand dollar cash value. You either you get one or the other. So here it is: I'm paying for two things for my entire life, but upon death, I only get one or the other, which is a complete rip off. Wow. And again, something that they they market in the black community, lower income communities, than the poor working class. It should be illegal to sell this it's stuff, but right, it, but. It, you know the biggest criminals wear suits and ties, right, right. and they make laws. Wow. Yo. Well, I almost cuss. <laughs> I'm with Don't you. Cuss. I almost cuss. I need a break. We 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 need a break. And when I come back, I'm gonna play some stupid club illiterate dance music. When I come back, we're going to continue the topic on what is death. <sighs> wow. That just... This is why I don't like talking to Damien. <laughs> I, he make me feel like I need to get my Nat Turner on. Like, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous, yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad I'm able to speak openly because um, I know that you have a, also a pastor background. Um and it, it, I love the fact that even you know having a background of being a pastor as well, um, that you could speak so openly. Um, one of the things that I'm also angry about, you know, in our community is, you know, we we pay this ten percent, but we need to increase that. We we need to increase our savings and be taught to live off of 
you know, 10 or 20, well, the other remaining 80%, we need to save that money. And uh, growing up in Baltimore, um, there's two major, major churches. I love them both, uh, Walter Scott Thomas Church and uh, Jamal Harrison Bryant's church. Uh, that's literally like a mile away from the ghetto. And I, I it, it, it hurts me that for some reason we can't seem to come together and start some sort of uh, Black Wall Street right here in Baltimore by yeah. by uh, redoing these communities, opening up one store at oh, a time. Yeah. So that I mean that could be a topic for another time. I know you say you get ready to go to break, but um, it's it's good to know that we can talk to Randy, chew on that on any topic, any subject, and you gonna keep it a buck at all times. Listen, you know when I when I when I had the show back in 2014, 2015, um, at that specific time, I still had my security clearance, so I was able to have a lot of documents printed off, handed to me, and a lot of stuff I was exposing to the black community and you know it was but when it all hit the fan when the FBI was watching me and surveilling me when they was harassing me when they was they, I mean they still are like uh, what a couple months ago they came out back to try to say that my car was involved in a hit and run I ain't drove that car in two three years mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like they still harassing <clears throat> me um, but people people shrunk back and I was on the front line by myself, if that makes sense. And here I am, a general, having to play foot soldier. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's different positions, it's levels to it. And from a military strategic standpoint, I can't make an archer be the cavalry. He's not strong in that area. He's good with a bow and arrow, not riding a horse with a sword. You see what I'm saying? So... I'm I'm I have no problem with being a frontline soldier. I mean, I come on, man. Baltimore, Annapolis, DC. I mean, come on now. There, there's no problem with the get down. It's easy. But I was trying to position myself to maneuver my people as a nation to something. Make sense? Farrakhan's on his way out. A lot of people left Umar. A lot of people don't follow Dick Gregory no more. A lot of these conscious brothers have been exposed for fabricating historical facts, like Brother Polite and all them lying about a lot of things just to fuel the anger of the black community. Um, black Lives Matter movement was funded by a white billionaire, and anytime a white billionaire funds something, it's because of an ulterior motive. Um, so Once again, exploiting the black community. Exploiting the black community. Exactly. Um, I mean the women the women's feminist movement took black women to help their cause as if black men have the power to oppress black women like we don't have the power to say you can't work <laughs> you know what I'm saying but they joined the movement yeah equal this equal them like mm. but anyway uh I said that Damien to say that you know I've always been this dude and I'm glad that you appreciate it and I'm glad to have people like you that appreciate it. I need more of the community that way. Because if I'm in a position of power and influence, my goal is for the betterment of the nation, not myself. We The topic is death. I'm not afraid to die. I don't have... I live the full life. Right. Everything that I wanted to experience, I experienced. Everything I wanted to get, I got. Right. If I die today, I don't. I'm good. Right. 
Whatever, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? I second that motion, especially now that I have that $1.5 million on me because I have, I'm not afraid to stand on the line uh, without it, but I'm more uh, comfortable comfortable standing on the line with it. Yeah. Understanding that if I I have a cause strong enough to die for, that I'm willing to die for that and know that my children are going to be blessed uh, in the process. Right, absolutely. And I mean, because. And we need that because it's not like the community is back. Like if something happened to you and you didn't have life insurance, it's not like the community or people that call themselves your brothers or your boys is going to take care of your family. Look at Colin Kaepernick. We looking at, let's look deeper in his situation. He took a knee and everybody's mad at him because he took a knee. They're not mad at why he took the knee. They're mad at because he took the knee, which was his constitutional right as a second class citizen in America. You see what I'm saying? Right. What about the other 75% NFL players who are black who should have been like, you know what, if you're giving a million dollars out of your own money to this foundation and to help this and that, let me help you out. Let me at least give you 100000 200000 or 500000 or a million myself. No, this man is now out of a job. And the only thing that people are saying is, oh, yeah, he can win a couple more Super Bowls, but ain't no team going to pick him up because you already got exposure saying that a lot of the coaches and GMs are mad at him because he took a stand. So this is when the players are supposed to – the black players are supposed to be like, you know what, this month I'm going to make sure your family eat. I got your bills this month. My man's over here, got it next month. We're going to keep cycling around because you took a stand. We're going to stand behind you. And I feel like we lost momentum when we didn't back him up. Right. That could have been an Ali moment. Right. You know what I'm saying? Where we really could have gained strength as a community and got our voices heard, which Ali was fine. When he made his stance against the Vietnam War, and he's, Vietcong, they never called me no nigga, and blah, blah, blah. I know a guy named Bobby Glanton Smith. I met him through Zoe Williams and Corey Hawkham, mutual friends. And Bobby Glanton Smith's uh, best friend is Jim Brown. Um, he has a book called Real Men Don't Play. Him and Jim Brown wrote that book together. Um, one of the things that he said was his cousin was in the Vietnam War, and the Vietnamese, when they were shooting at night, they it wasn't like they were stupid. They were shooting the white soldiers, and over the voice comms, they were saying, Black man, this is not your war. Black man, this is not your war. Why are you fighting us? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, wow. and you still got niggas in the military. Right. I, I need a break, man. I need a break. Mm. This is. I need a break. I'm gonna play some illiterate stripper music because that's what everybody <laughs> wanna hear. When we come back and we're gonna continue the topic of death. The number to dial is five six three nine 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 three zero nine eight. Get at me. Niggas try to crucify me. We ain't never gonna stop. We come from the motherfucking dirt. You can't pay me, nigga. Remember, nigga tried to bag me. Kept it real and they mad at me. Thought the means would embarrass me. But I didn't really feel the tragedy. Bitter what a jungle with a killer. Rubble with a chopper up with axes. Not the power out of this battery. Maximum full of agony. When it's beef, who gon' really ride? Play neutral, niggas switch sides. Niggas wiser than these whole bitches. They don't really know what they deride. In the building with the sticky side. I can't lose my life in the field. Gotta play the lights in the bill. I ain't got time for a shell. They do the book at the kid. We really deliver what they did. That shit just made me a monster. I took the book and I read. I got niggas taking real help. Give them nothing, they put in the field. I 
Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. The Randy Chew on that show. We are back in full physics. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead, Lady J. Hit it. Oh, oh there it is. <laughs> Listen. I got to work on my chakra. It's all good. If y'all are watching by Facebook, I am fixing the screen. Um, the guests are gone. And it's me, Lady J., and DT back in the building, ladies and gentlemen. DT, give a shout out to the people real quick. <laughs> okay, the topic we was talking about today. Huh? Go ahead, talk to me, darling. That was Auntie. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So Auntie is in the building. So do you know that suicide is against the law? Really? Do you know that if you if you commit suicide and if you have a life insurance policy, it voids your insurance policy. Your offspring will not get anything. Wow. You know that? Little known tips here. I guess we should have had Damon talk on these issues. Dang it. And then yeah. lastly, Here we back was a, a, there was a do-gooder called Dr. Kevorkian, and he did... Um, assisted suicide, meaning that these patients were terminally mm -hmm. ill and he thought it was a kindness to put them out of their misery and their extreme pain. Right. So he would assist them, assist the patient in committing suicide, right? Mm -hmm. And he did this, you know, for, I don't know, five years, eight years, whatever it was. And um, he, he's passed away now. But that was completely illegal, oh, what it. he did, as a doctor. That you're not allowed to help somebody else what? take their life. But, yeah. I mean, the per I guess he, put, he must have put some, you know, medicine in the drip, you know, some poison in the drip, and 
He said, okay, if you want to do this, you press the button and it'll start dripping. You know what? That's crazy. That I'm sorry. After X amount of minutes, you'll die, right? I mean, just kind of like they do with the with the inmates at, at prison. You know, after a certain point in time, you get enough of that poison in your blood, you're going to die. Mm. So Brandy. everything that he did was completely illegal. And they chased him, and he chased him, and he moved from state to state, to state because he really thought he was doing a service. And he was doing a service. Mm-hmm. I don't get how his... That's, that's- I don't get how his work is considered illegal, but they put poison in our food. Right. Legally. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, the people in power are wickedly brilliant. (laughs) Wickedly brilliant. Yeah, I would agree to that. Oh, my gosh. Like, uh, I I tagged my wife on this. Please, Randy. When is that going to end? I mean, it's everywhere. It's in our, you know, the cash re- You go to the cash register and you get that little slimy receipt. Yeah. That BPA is in that receipt. You go to the bathroom mm. at say a public place. The liquid soap, the liquid soap has that poison in it. I mean, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you run and hide and escape from it? Mm-hmm. Crazy. So, is it safe to say that the people in power? Oh, first, let me make this distinction. When I say, I, I, because my, on the Chew on That show, I want to bring back the importance of words and what they actually mean. So when a person says a word, we know the definition. We can agree, disagree, debate, tackle it, whatever. I want to bring that back because I feel like society just thrown away the meaning of words. Mm. Uh, you want to be a what was it? A estimono- uh, etymologist. Yes, etymologist. Um, I'm going to make a distinction from now on on this show. When we say the word "white people," we're going to be talking about the evil people in power when we say Caucasian we are talking about those that are not evil DT you are classified on this show when we talk about race as a Caucasian woman now okay this is just me right Uh I'm gonna be I'm I'm just gonna be me DT how would you prefer to be defined I'm cool I'm cool with that I mean if we have to have a you know a code word I'm cool with that. Yes. <laughs> but and would you define a white person as somebody as evil or a Caucasian person as somebody as Because No, no, no. Oh, oh, oh. You I'm, know how, like, term. I say white because the term. Well, out, out, outside of this context, you know, I don't see it that way. I, I don't deem people, you know, good or evil until I see what their actions are. I see if their words match their mm, actions. Yes, you know, yes. I have to evaluate. Okay. Yes, you know? exactly. Yes, <laughs> yeah, the elites. Yeah. Yes, the elites. Yeah. Some people call it the Illuminati. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of words. Everybody has their own code word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and my reason for that is because they were the ones who 
created the concept of black people and white, white people. people. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's... And I want to erase that. Got it. I want to erase them. I said it. <laughs> the views discussed. I want to erase them too. DT, you can... stop. You got. You got to <laughs> stop, stop making, making my heart, heart feel good. Feel good like no, this. You know <laughs> Receive her love. When you, said, uh, when you said a couple of weeks ago that you might not have moved forward with the show without me, who the heck knew what you were about? I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> I've been studying these white people for 30, 40 years trying to figure a way out of this box. I mean, who knew we were on the same page with that? It's yeah. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the forces. The love, time, and death, the forces aligned to have us, to bring us together for some greater good. It's deep. I'm in love. Because you didn't know, <laughs> you didn't know I was coming from that background either. I never talk about this show, stuff on my own show. Mm-hmm. Never. Right, right. <sighs> Man. Just saying. <sighs> Lady J. Yes. If a black man could blush, I would be blushing right now. Uh, is that what it looked like? I, I, need think, a- I, feel, I feel like you're already blushing. Your high cheekbones <laughs> is like on fire right now. Okay, it, moving on. <laughs> Back to the topic, please. Um, <laughs> um, you're flushed to the touch. Yes. Uh, that's no, that, uh, like, DT. Like if we, were to touch, if we were to touch his cheek, it would feel like it's flushing with some blood some hot blood oh yes dc that's that hashtag love without booty oh my gosh hashtag love without the booty (laughs) 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 wow okay um it's crazy because we really if you noticed every show in the Collateral Beauty series that we've talked about, we could not do a complete show without talking about one of the other three. When we talked about love, we had to touch on time and death. When we talked about time, we had to touch on love and death. Now we're talking about death, we're touching on love and time. They are mysteriously linked together. Right? I agree. But not in the way that the normal person thinks about it this is one thing that the movie said that I disagree the guy who was playing time told Will Smith that if love is creation and death is destruction then he's the bridge in between I disagree I think that love is creation and destruction I think death is creation and destruction I think time is an illusion. Think about time it. Time is an illusion. We talked about that. Yeah. It's a made-up concept. Uh, yeah. I mean, let's, let's, let's think about it for a second. I'm going to have to go to Webster. Go to, go to Webster. <laughs> let's, let's think about it for a second. Right now, it is 11.42 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. DC's in Hollywood. She's in Cali. She's on the West Coast. So right now, she's in our past. Right. Right now. Remember we talked about that? Yeah, we talked about that last week. It's an illusion. Yeah. It's an illusion. 
So you feel like time is not real. That's what you're saying. I feel like time cannot be dictated by our finite thinking. Okay. When you put it like that. <laughs> Look, let's look at well, the world religions. It's not, that he, no, it's not that he thinks it's not real. It's, it's not real. So then is it misunderstood? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a physics thing. It's like somebody made it up. It's like, why did somebody decide to measure your height in inches, and then over in Europe they measure it in centimeters? It's a made-up thing. Do now with that, and I'm glad I'm such a mastermind of conversation stirring. <laughs> now I'm glad you said that because this is death an illusion. <laughs> I haven't experienced it, so I don't know. <laughs> but think about it. In every world religion, there's some type of something after death. Mm-hmm. No matter what you believe, is something at after death out there somewhere you either come back as a squirrel or you rise to heaven or the Vikings say you go to Valhalla or whatever I mean whatever religion out there you got somewhere or something you're doing after you allegedly die yeah allegedly allegedly so what is living is living just our consciousness because if life is just our consciousness, does that consciousness cease when we allegedly die? <laughs> some, some would say no. I was say, you know, I'm that thinking of transitional. That that is a transitional period. If the person lived till 80 years old and then he he or she dies, then life as he or she knows it is passed away uh -huh. but maybe it's transitional maybe there's some other new form of life that we have no concept over yeah and I'm thinking like about soul the way I make peace in my mind is I tell myself it's transitional but this chapter has ended but guess what There, you know you turn the page a new chapter begins in order for you to and for some religion for some for some religions, it might be that you get reincarnated at a later date with a new body, a new infant, new whatever. You know, and like you say, some religions may say that you get transformed into a raindrop or a squirrel or whatever it is. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's transitional. <laughs> um, okay, I'm at this. Ooh, ah, I love this feeling. Okay, um. So like I've always had this gut feeling, even when I was younger, uh -huh. that I was somehow very famous in the 1920s. Wow. That I just like associate with a particular person in the 20s. I don't know why. I don't know. Like none of my family, immediate family, has anything to do lineage-wise with this person. But... In my former life, I think I was this British girl in the twenties. Like what? <laughs> I've always wow. That. Well, I mean, your 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 pictures of when you were younger. Um, yeah, I could see that. Like she been here. Before. Like like nineteen twenty, dancing to the music. Dancing. Yeah. Anyway. Um. <laughs> um. So if. You have to find peace with it and you say and our human way of finding peace with death is to say this is what's after it. 
In order for you to go searching for something, it means you lack it because something else is there. Example, if you lack peace, you go to find peace because there's a sense of confusion or torment or discomfort or fear that is present. Mm -hmm. So is it safe to say that this discomfort, torment, fear that we feel is embedded into our conscience, but it's not actual reality? Um, well, it kind of goes back to something that Kim said earlier when, about your belief system. Okay. About what you believe. So, I'm like, also foundationally what you were taught. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I was taught that, you know, daddy went to heaven, papa went to heaven. You know, they we have these conversations when as children, your, your parents or whoever. All dogs go to heaven. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. They tell you what happens when people die. So you grow up speaking that very same thing because you we don't know what's on the other side. And I'm glad you said that because all of our systems of uh, trying to cope with death stem from fear of loss. Yeah. And I was trying to hint to this earlier, but I'm bringing it back. That fear of loss is what blinds us from looking at what death actually is. And so because every human had at one point in their life a sense of fear to die it automatically blinded their conscience to search the reality of what death is what I'm gathering though from my own perspective is I'm look I'm if I don't look at death the way that I was raised or taught to look at death right. and look at it in a different perspective. I would be looking at what I'm losing right. versus rather than what, what I'm, I'm beginning. Gaining. Yes, yes. This is why I love studying religious martyrs. As much as we condemn religion, religion does have its good for 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 mankind. Everything that's on in this realm of reality is man-made. Everything. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. Everything is man-made. Um, that does not mean that it's evil or wrong or bad. With that being said, I feel like religion, in a sense, gives us the boldness, gives some of us the boldness to confront death. And we call that martyrdom. Martyr. Mm-hmm. I believe in gaining this because I do this then I have no fear of death. Right. It's a feeling that we strive. Love, we can define it, we can say it's this and that, but what we as humans do is we feel it. Mm-hmm. Time, we feel it. Mm-hmm. DT said love can make you feel like five minutes is an hour. Guess what? She's right because it's a feeling. Yeah. What we feel comes from our intellect, though. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Our emotions is governed by our intellect, our consciousness. If I said, Lady J, I can't stand you, in your mind, that's going to cause pain. Mm-hmm. 
someone said that to me, I'm going to be like deuces. There's no pain there. Yeah. Not because I'm stronger than you, quote unquote, or you're a woman, you're supposed to be more emotional, quote unquote. No, it's because the intellect. But my intellect stems from pain. Pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you see what I'm, I'm, I'm what I'm seeing getting your to? picture your big so, picture pain in essence Linda brings me back to what I said earlier in the show that I'm attached to something mm-hmm. and my attachment is to an ideology right like we have the like we said right. about like we said about love some people fall in love with the idea of the person and not the actual person right. We fall in love with the right. idea of knowing what time it is, but we really don't know what time it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we fall in love. We, we, we fall in fear because of the ideology of death, mm. but we don't know what death is. See, pain is the attachment to an ideology. Emotional pain. Emotional pain. Okay. Is the attachment to an ideology. Okay. Example. If I am to love someone unconditionally, that means that my level of love towards that individual does not change, no matter what they do to me. I don't believe that human beings possess that. Not Well, I'm not speaking absolute truth. Majority of human beings do not possess that. If they did, then the divorce rate would be lower. Mm, okay. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Makes sense. DT, give me yeah. your give me your thoughts on my broad statement I just made. Well, attaching the idea ideology to pain, I think it's one way to handle it. You know, just like the monks, you know, we're we're saying, okay, let's attach our, our notion to martyrdom. But I think if we're intelligent human beings and give it a little bit more thought, we have to go beyond the box. We have to think that maybe there's a realm that we just haven't considered. Maybe there's wow. an emotion outside of pain, wow. past the pain, mm. wow. that we haven't considered. Wow. And how self-centered are we to only be focusing on ourselves like this other person caused me pain so I'm just going to take this inward and absorb it and that's the end of that um, you know you have to I think life is energy it's a, it's a flow of energy if you look at that rock the rock's going to give you energy if you look at the sunshine that's going to give you energy if you looked into your kid's eyes on her birthday that's a certain energy it's a flow of energy it's not selfish or self-centered at all it's a two-way street it's a full circle that that particular energy is rendering you a certain emotion and i think to only focus on the pain is very short-sighted you 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 said something that's treasure and i'm going to stir it this way you talked about energy being (laughs) being everything i'm gonna stir it this way do you realize yeah. That back in the day, they didn't wear shoes all the time because stepping on the grass, the natural ground itself, barefooted, gave you a sense of energy because of the magnetic field. They call it grounding. Mm-hmm. The right. pe- exactly. The, the people in power 
have presented us with something called capitalism, right? And in yeah. this in this capitalism, we have um condition ourselves to think that we have to wear soccer shoes all the time. Right. And we built these we built life based upon capitalism. But capitalism is killing us. Mm. The food that we eat, the way that we take care of our bodies, the the way that we cut ourselves up from Mother Earth. We don't connect with nature. We connect with machines. We give our babies bottles. We don't give them the nipple. Mm -hmm. Like, we give them another species milk and think that's normal. Like, and we think that breast right. milk from a woman is nasty. Right. Like, we've been conditioned right. this way because the people in power have conditioned us to embrace killing ourselves without telling us that it's killing us. Mm -hmm. See, they have distorted our view of death mm -hmm. they've distorted our view of love they've distorted our view of time and you know a person can only give you what they have experienced exactly so this is actually their views yeah. Ooh. wow you know so that just for me i'm looking i guess my perspective is if they're only giving us what they have and this is their view then uh-huh so we've taken on we've taken on more than what they've even said that what we need to take on. I if I I'm like I can see it but I may not be able to explain it the best way I can see yeah. it but yeah. I think that death I think that the force of what we call death can be our friend. Example, one of the Rockefellers died. He is no longer in our physical realm, allegedly. But this dude then had four different hearts before he died. Oh, wow. He tried to prolong his life and give himself, quote-unquote, more time. But death... He had four transplants? Is that, is that what you're saying? Yes. And wow. time... Pushed him towards, no. <laughs> yeah. Pushed him towards death. Now, yeah, that does not mean that the effects of his life does not still linger on. And this is what we call legacy, or this is what the ancient ones considered immortality. Mm -hmm. Is there a sense of immortality in all of our hearts that we long for? Or is immortality that of an illusion also? <laughs> I'm like, you should part that for next week. I'm like, what? <laughs> immortality. That's a good topic, yeah. I, I 90 seconds. Don't connect with immortality. No, they're just sheep and they're punching their clock. They're doing their 8 to 5 and, you know, they're coming home and they're popping open a beer. And no, I think a lot of people are not connecting with their immortality. Are we all able to? Yes. Right. But do we? I, I think no. Um, I'm going to respectfully, Randy, I'm, I'm not really comfortable with your use of the word capitalist. Okay. Because I personally know a lot of business people 
who do well by their company, and they are capitalists for sure. I mean, they're there showing up every day to make money. <laughs> okay. But they do treat their employees well. They treat their community well. They do give back. They do. They are involved with charity work. They're, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to separate. They're not evil men and women. They are there running a business, but doing right by the business. Right, right. Okay. So I want to separate that word because they're not the evil people. We know who the evil people are. So you're separating. You're separating. So I don't don't like the use of the word capitalist because it's. Okay, got you, got you. Not all of them are evil. Okay, got you. Well, if by what you just said, that would classify me as a capitalist. And I would even say that I, you know, just had this conversation yesterday, but. The United States is very much an individualistic nation. Think so? Yeah. You know, it's not like a third world country, like more of a collectivist type and cultural specific, but we, I'm not saying we glorify ourselves, but our individualistic as far as building um, wealth and it's based upon the individual. And that mindset is even hard to grapple as me coming in to be a new entrepreneur. I'm like, why does it have to be about me? Is it based on individualism? I would say so. If Product and... If a natural disaster was to hit America right now, and they were putting people that they wanted to survive on airplanes and boats and all that, DT would be first in line, and we would be in last... Even if we had allegedly more money and more companies and more whatever than her, based upon who she is, she gets first dibs. But individually, uh, you we- know, it makes me it makes me sad that you think that way because there were an awful lot of Germans who helped the Jews and helped the Jews get out of the country during the Holocaust. So, what was in it for them? They could risk death too for doing that. So it makes me sad that you think that way. Yeah, I I think that way because Jews and Germans were the same complexion. It was it was an ideology that separated them. It wasn't necessarily the difference of looks in the degree that it's a difference of look between us and them. What I mean by that is if the plan of the elite is to eliminate people of color and then eliminate those who they feel are lower class than themselves, we're on the bottom of the totem pole. Okay. Does that make sense? Well, I can that, that, that might be the elite plan, and it is the elite right. plan. Right. I was about to right. say, I can see... We don't, we don't have... There's only 20 people there. That doesn't mean we have 7 billion other people that don't think that way. But see, and I'm glad... and I'm a mastermind. I love this. And that, but, but see, here that goes back to our point that we talked about two weeks ago, DT. If it's so many of us, then why are we still allowing them to run us? We we have to rise up. Yeah, yeah. We really do. do numbers should should matter. Do you think that in a net in numbers and we're not we're not coming together. So 
they're deadening us because they're poisoning our minds, poisoning our food to the point where we're lethargic and not doing anything about it. Right. Right. Sleep. And 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 that and again, I'm, I love being a mastermind in conversation. Again, that goes back to this. A lot of people like DT would get killed for being selfless that means that the fact that me and DT have a and, and you and DT have a working relationship puts her in danger mm. whether she feels it immediately or she may never experience it in her lifetime but it still doesn't negate the fact that it puts her in danger if things was to pop off in America 10 times worse and a race war was to break out the fact that DT and me are cool and if I was hungry she would feed me would make her in jeopardy of losing her life that being said that jeopardy is not coming specifically from the 20 people in power it's yeah. coming from those who would be around it will come from our peers because vice versa would be mm -hmm. happening too. Mm -hmm. I would be excommunicated from the black community because I'm married to a white woman. Mm. I wouldn't be accepted fully into the white community because I'm black. Yeah. So that leaves me and my children mm -hmm. there in a sense begging for death. Because now we lost everything we was attached to. So therefore now we crave death. Because it's a release from the suffering of the present time. Mm. Now I know I'm speaking. Do you feel to Do you feel to a certain degree you had to turn your back on the black community because no. you married a white woman? No, I don't at all. But a lot of my black peers people, right. feel that way, right. and they don't realize that they've been conditioned to feel that way. They they legitimately feel that they have the legitimate right to feel that way, not understanding that the 20 people in power were the ones who came up with that idea. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't believe if a natural disaster happened that me and Lady J will make it. Because <laughs> it's, it's not seven billion or million or whatever of us out there it's smaller than that because people don't think like you DT people don't think like me or Lady J they don't realize that a human being is a human being and we have to base our, dis our, our, our judgment on a human being based upon that individual and not the collective of what they look like they don't people don't think like that mm -hmm. so because people don't think like that us as truth presenters have to present truth to them constantly and constantly which, which puts us in a life of suffering alright well That's heavy. it brings to mind W, President W might have uh, looked the other way and did nothing but mm. when Katrina happened which no, the New Orleans area was predominantly a black community there were a, a 
fair amount of white people who came to their aid and rebuilt the houses and, you know, offered food and shelter. And so I don't know. I mean, I hope we're not so cynical that we can't reach out to our fellow man or woman. I think yes, we're, we're yes, not that way. Yes, yes. I, I, I pray that we're not. Right. You know, um, so my thinking on that comes from uh, from that perspective, from the do I have hope? Yes, or I wouldn't be a truth presenter. I wouldn't be one who tries to enlighten everyone if I didn't have hope. At the same time, and at the and at the end of the day, that's our job, right? It, yes, that's if we yes. We a different way. That's our that's our job to shine the light that hey, there's another there's another way of looking at this. So can we shine the light that death is something beautiful or do we not have enough truth about death to speak on it? We don't have enough truth to speak on it. Like, well, I mean, not yeah. necessarily that because there have been some people who have felt they have died and have come back. Right. So, I mean, unless you get somebody that got a testimony like that. The key word in that sentence was felt like, felt they, like died. they died how can you know how something feels well, I mean, the machine, well the machine said the person flatlined right they were gone for you know the little boy that went minutes, to heaven five minutes, whatever it was that little boy ain't gonna <laughs> die and go to no heaven that little boy did not <laughs> die and go to heaven his father hustled that book i'm sorry dt go ahead <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i can't dt there are people who have fallen in a coma. I mean, technically, their heart is still beating, but they are 100% vegetable. Mm. Most of them don't make it through, but the rare lucky ones, you know, they wake up after eight days. Like, what is that? I mean, they might as well be dead because they have no brain function, wow. no physical function, but a few of them come back. So, so to me... The way, the way I interpret death is that it's transformative, that life as we know it ends, but there's a new chapter. And the reason why I have that sense is because when I was a little kid, I mean, okay, granted, I'm an avid reader, I love, I'm a sponge, I love to learn new things, but when I was a little kid, I would make an observation or make a declaration that this particular event or occurrence is this way because of X. And I didn't know what I was talking about. And I thought to myself, why do I have this sense of knowing even before I've done the research? Now, I usually went to do the research to see if my theories were correct. But I think it's because, you know, people would always say to me, you're an old soul. Like, mm. we're right, right. Wealth of knowledge come from. Like I couldn't read all the books in the world and cram into my brain what I seemingly know. So right. it had to come from someplace else. Right. So I don't know if you want to call that reincarnation or an outside force or a higher power or however you want to define it. But to me, I think of death in that same way that it's transformative. Like if somebody dies, um, you know, your brother might be sending you a message. It's not the message that you normally would want to hear, like he's calling you on the cell phone, but he might leave $10 in your path. 
Or maybe you're going through an intersection and you absolutely know you should have gotten into a car crash that particular millisecond, but you were spared. You ever had that feeling where, like, damn, I, like, you know, dodged a bullet. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And you didn't, get into that car, you didn't get into that car crash. Well, right. hey, that might have been your brother guiding you along. That's how he was communicating with you, that he's still there and he's still watching. Wow, that's today's today's topic is strong. You know what I'm saying? It's it, it's it's real strong. I think that the series of Collateral Beauty lets us makes us realize that, and all that we know, there's some things we still don't know. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Like man, I don't know. I'm 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 speechless right now cuz the, the analogy you just gave was was amazing. Like it's like wow, you know, we 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 really man. <laughs> time, love, and death can be described and understood but yet cannot be described and understood. It, it it's it's powerful. And I think we're going to have to continue this conversation in the future because I feel like there's more that me, you, and Lady J can dive into when it comes to the topic of love, time, and death. So what I'm going to do is close this show out the usual way that we do, and I'm going to pick a date. Where we're going to chime in back on this specific topic. And I'm not going to have no guest. It's going to be me, you, and Lady J. And we are going to try to bring more language to the understanding of love, time, and death to top off the Collateral Beauty series. With that being said, DT, give everyone your information where they can find you. By the way, if you haven't downloaded her app, you're an idiot. If you haven't went to chewonthat.com, you're stupid. If you have not listened to her shows on Wednesdays, you're retarded. <laughs> but yeah, give them, give them your information again where they can find you again. Um, and then I'm uh and then I'm gonna close out the show. My radio show is called the Men's Advocate Show. It's every Wednesday, three PM Pacific, um, six PM Eastern Time. Find me on my app, my mobile app. It's now available for Android as well as for the iOS user. And everything you want to know about me is on the app. Not only can you listen live, there's a call now button. You can, if you can't listen live, you can listen on demand. Um, by the way, you don't even have to worry about adding Randy's shows because that's already merged in there. It's, you just go to the on-demand library, boom, it's, it's already in chronological sequence, so you'll be able to tune in. And then aside from this, it gives you all my social media links. It gives you links to my book, Fastering Women and Hitched in 90 Days. And, of course, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and if you need more help than the books, 
I'm most of my coaching, even though you've had lifelong roadblocks and problems, we usually solve within four sessions or less. So that's the Men's Advocate Show. Just type that into your search bar. Boom, you'll have it. If you don't have a smartphone, of course, you can go to uh, my Facebook. Just also type in the Men's Advocate Show, or you can go to my website, uh, themensadvocate.com, themensadvocate.com. <laughs> you know what? Um, real quick before we get off the air, um, I want to say this. If you don't listen to DT's show, you got to be retarded. She be on the air on the Chew on That show, spitting game to me, y'all. She be using that 90 day hit stuff on me. Got me over here as a black man <laughs> blushing and all that. She be using that science stuff that she created on me. And it's, I'm, you know what? I've been manipulated. I. We might have to do a show on manipulation because of DT. Listen. All right. <laughs> no, no, all jokes aside. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, uh, for watching the show. Man, it's been amazing. We reached 700-something people. I'm reading on Facebook um, that people reached and, uh, and chimed in on the show. Man, I appreciate the support. Um, listen, if you support me, support DT. Lady J stepped out. We got to go. We are over the time anyway. Doesn't matter. It's my show. We do our thing. Till next week, ladies and gentlemen, it's your boy Randy Chu, a.k.a. Mr. Chu on that. And you know what we do, why we do it, and how we do it. Till next Thursday. Deuces.